Hello and welcome to this week's Mad Axman podcast. We've got the full gang of seven. We've struggled through centimetres of snow to be here in our respective tiny little studios spread all across London and the South East to bring you this week's load of chat and drivel. We go all over the shop this week making a random change from every other week. We talk about painting horses. If you're interested in 1942 urban renewal in rural New Guinea, this is the podcast for you. There's a name check for Shania Twain, doesn't happen every week, and also the huge bigger than Brexit Microsoft Microset debate before, of course, we get topical and we talk about weather. So sit back, plug your ears back, and enjoy the podcast. This means war. Look, welcome. This is episode sixty-one. Um, we're back again um, after after our enforced break over Christmas. We've decided to come back, and we're back again. So it's actually clearly worth doing. It appears that somebody's even been listening to this based on some comments on Facebook, which is much to to everybody else's amazement. But but as we're on a roll, um, or possibly because we've not really thought of anything else to do that's different. The best way to start this is the traditional way to start this and randomly pick one of the seven people on the little screen, um, one of which is me, to talk about what has been hitting the painting table this week and possibly what might have been hitting the purchasing table. So I'm looking at Peter with your um, Assyrian relief in the background, in your Zoom background. Um, very thematic, very, very good. It's um, It's setting off the badger hair fantastically well it's, um, it's just fits in nicely with this sort of great streaks, yeah know? it just it just is it's just perfect the lion's mane and um and your luxurious luxurious locks um, my, my, what, sort of like my laurel sort of fashion that's it really that's that's a little bit disturbing i'm, I'm not going to put this bit on video but um but talk <laughs> through for that. what's what's been on the pizza painting table and whether you've done any surreptitious shopping um the the shopping there was temptations but i didn't press go on anything because uh unfortunately i had various other things that i was uh, distracted with so that's gonna sort of take my attention uh over the next couple of days um but i'm slowly slowly due to work and everything else working my way through some napoleonic so i managed to actually color off a whole bunch of horses for some cavalry um i've got some um quite nice um i forget what they're called coat coat d'arm paints okay um, yeah I, I like my um, value for all the rest of it but the coat d'arms they did a range of horse paints yeah. and i think they're perfect for it so for me i just line them up and i go right i'm gonna have two of these three of these two of these sometimes i do the clever bit of go oh that regiment sometimes has darker horses and things like that which uh, i got clever with the austrians and it all just was too much like hard work i like the colors just like um, the randomness yeah well my, my son's used to ride a fair bit so i got you know used to seeing some of the horses and i like seeing the different colors of it well yes and no you can always bling up the bridles you've got to remember that it's just right. that little bit of bling that stands out um so when, then, when you're um, um so when you're doing horses then um it's always a do you do black undercoat, white undercoat? Do you do a wash? Is that, is it just I, use the straight color? I tried that out. Um, I've tried um, a couple of things. Um, so I've tried the um, black undercoat. I've tried the white undercoat. And I, I tried doing the half and half. And to be honest, I went back to just do spraying them white and carrying on and spraying white right. with all the rest of it. Because uh, those coat arm ones, 
I find their coverage is fantastic. And normally I use the um, Army Painter stuff. So that darkens it down a tone more than I think most of the rest of you guys do. Um, so for me, that works quite nicely because for me, when I'm, I do the black, it then makes it harder to do something like a, a bay horse or something like that. So it just sort of comes through a bit too much for me. Um, so and I just know a couple of nice horses I liked that were quite bay. Okay, Can so, I just so, add to that? My, yeah. my, I've used coat arms paint for years, especially for the horses, all those horses' colours. And I do find over a white coat, they are perfect. Mm. Um, over a black coat, especially the lighter ones like bay, um, I end up having to do three coats. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I've seen that as well. Bays generally tend to be a sort of dark, ruddy brown. No, no well, it's, there's it's a nice chestnut for that. There's a, yeah. A, yeah. They do a nice, nice mahogany red. You do get some light gorgeous colour. Yeah, they, I haven't they, had, they do, I haven't had a problem color. painting painting bays over over black primer. But, well, let, let's look at the basic facts on this. Your painting ability compared to mine. <laughs> I'm lucky I get it on the miniature and not on me. Okay, <laughs> you're doing the graffiti in detail and seven way shades of wash. I'm like going great. It looks kind of the, the right color. Looks like it might be a horse. It could be. Three. I, I'm from three feet. It looks fantastic, especially if you wear glasses and not wearing them. Um, <laughs> so for me, you know, as Adam was saying, it's just it's just a nice go-to thing. It's almost like a comfort factor when I'm painting them because it just makes life easier. And, and then uh, it's like then I've got to work out uniforms and stuff like that. And Andy's spoilt me by sending a whole stack of papers about Bavarians and others. So uh, I'm slowly working my way through it, but I'm quite enjoying it. It's just like it gives me gives my brain a rest from all the rest of the madness has it has it been a week of just horses then or have you um because you know, that, no, that was my bet noir last year at some point just uh, had, horses, had solid and horse. horses, horses and saddles horses and salads salads, salads. saddles they, not they, salads sorry salads yeah they do yeah. nice red salad uh salads yeah. you've got me saying it now yeah, saddles. Leaves. um and just sorting out a few bits and pieces so i'm just getting back into the theme of it getting my little painting table going as i've been mm. relegated due to the kids being at home um to the smaller desk so it means i've got to be a bit more uh, compact with my work we get them get the painting mojo okay so how long do you think until you start um hitting the actual riders and things like that is that going to be be somewhere oh no or? no that's that's what i'm going to be doing while we're on the podcast so i've, I've got the old oh. flesh tones because uh, <laughs> doing the flesh tones is great on the um while we're on the podcast because it's a splodge here splodge there onto the next one and i'm not stressing about the colors right oh, okay you're, you're you're doubling up then fine and you weren't even tempted there was no little bits of accidental internet browsing that you drifted towards um yes uh, i did get a couple of bits which are we supposed uh, to have this conversation when there's no one in earshot i think i saw one of your kids wander into the screen there but no. uh yeah um th there's a couple of bits um that uh i've yeah, uh, I'll explain next month. Right, you'll explain next week. Fine. Okay, we will add. We'll not um, pressure any further then. But I'm um, running along the top of the list. Then. This gives me an idea um, for Andy's quiz. Quiz question is: What did Peter buy? Answer what next did week? he actually buy? Yes, that could be it. We could all be. <laughs> we can have a lottery on it. It could be another phone in. Um, I, I don't <laughs> think you'll get this one. This is no, we won't get this one. Okay, then fine. Um, so Tamsin, just to, to quickly, was by. Are you still in household limbo, or did? Did the still painting limbo. Bug. Still in limbo. Uh, going up for another viewing on the property on Wednesday, and doing measuring up and measuring up and mm. 
checking that as it's been vacant since middle of December, that there hasn't been any nasty accidents like pipes bursting. Yep. Yep. With a bit of snow this week and, and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, so is that, is that still meant there, all your, um, is that meant all your painting has been um, just yeah. completely stopped? Yeah. I painting nothing on the painting table and don't want to order anything in case I've, it, gone. <laughs> it, I've, I've moved before it arrives. Yeah. Oh, that could be tricky. Oh no. So, so just a slow week. Does that mean you end up doing thinking about internet shopping for when, you know, does that make it even more frustrating and you end up with a shopping list of things that you're going to go, I want to buy that, but I'm going to buy it in the future. Is there any, any browsing like that? Or you yeah, just got... there's, been, there's been plans. There's been plans. Are you, are you in a position to, um, to cough any of them up or um uh, just, just not want I, to jinx the house move yeah i think one bit inspired partly by sort of book i'm reading i've uh new guinea campaign i new guinea campaigns in world war Two. So okay. hmm. <laughs> but i might either i i hadn't realized that realized that for like the campaign to capture recapture lay that's lae right i first there were u.s parachute parachute mm -hmm. was it 50 it was 503rd 503rd that's it yeah army parachuters they um, yeah. dropped into the Although, location didn't they yeah they, dro they dropped in to secure the uh, an abandoned airfield and prepare it for planes to land on to bring in the australians and the Americans never actually saw action against the Japanese there, but yeah. But I, just, just, just asking that question though, from a war gaming point of view, landing on an undefended airstrip and then doing some digging, is that you know, is, is that's pretty niche even for a two fat lardy set of rules, isn't it? Oh, they did do yes, a couple of other combat tracks. It's the what if. I think what oh, if I the Japanese had got had hmm. responded and. And see, I see. Tam -tam. All right, Tamsin, couldn't you couldn't you actually do the whole campaign on actually a sort of a three foot table on the basis that most of the fighting took place on the Kokoda Trail up on the ridge of the old Stanley Mountains, where the battlefront was literally about ten foot wide because it was just so dense jungle. I, I think I'm going to have to call a timeout to this one because yeah. I think even I think if, you know, I'm, I'm already I'm already <laughs> thinking you're all showing off by knowing there was a campaign in. Um, in New Guinea, never mind the fact there are American trapped paratroops, and that Andy, you can name some of the individual roads down which these people marched. Well, I think there, um, there was only one. <laughs> yeah, well, there that was, was only one. I've heard many roads that there were many roads in New Guinea. I Dakota Track was sort of the defining. Okay, so so this defining. is potentially then you know the next Osprey um, B Roads of New Guinea, nineteen thirty nine to forty five, possibly. Um, or possibly roadworks. We could then involve the American paratroopers involved in well, it as well. Kokoda track as a road is stretching it. Describe yeah. it as a path in places is stretching it. Okay. So, um, so uh, sort of special local rules you're going to be, you know, roll the die six to see how much ditches they dig. Is is that sort of thing? And you know, uh, if you uh, roll double six, you get to do the gradient on the airstrip. Don't if, forget, if it's they, boiling hot. You're at twenty thousand feet. That must that must be a bit challenging. If they were building an airstrip or things like uh, that, twenty thousand feet. It was actually it was actually bloody cold there. <laughs> <laughs> I 
cold weather gear in New Guinea. Yet, the Alan Stanley Mountains were not right. the worst for the cold. Yeah, you've got some of the mountains. I've got yeah. uh, the range, I, can't, I forgot the name of the range, just to the, the west, uh, the north north and west of Ley. The Chilterns? Some of the mountains there were snow-capped. Right. Isn't that the one where that British major got lost? I think I'm feeling a bit lost here. I, I attempted <laughs> to stop it when it got too technical about names of roads, and now we're talking about climate, climate and altitude Games. within New Guinea in 1939-45. I think Royal Games have already done a set of rules for it. What you do is you draw a dice from a bag to yes. see who gets to <laughs> dig their ditch first. Dig their ditch first, yeah. If they'd been there unopposed that long, would they have like put in things like a duty free and, and stuff like that? You know, if it, it, well, I guess PX, it would have been yeah. an international airport or possibly. In fact, um, well, the Japanese, um, well, they, they the problem the Japanese had was actually getting stuff to stop for the duty free shops, getting them to stop at it. <laughs> no, getting them to stock I, any stock in for their duty free shops. I mean, yeah, kept sinking all their boats. Yeah, oh, and right. shooting down all their planes. I oh, sorry, I thought I thought we we're diving even deeper into Osprey. You know, um, shell stackers of of Japanese Second World War duty free shops, nineteen thirty nine to forty five brackets New Guinea close brackets. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Well, I think I think I actually have bought things from Japanese duty free shops in the past. But um, so that I can well I can contest. Less than New Guinea stamped on them. Yes, yeah, not the New Guinea version though, not at all. <laughs> Okay, well, look, that's that's kind of um, somewhat of an eclectic diversion. Um, just how weird can we go from there? This means war. This means war. Saunders, tell just tell us something sensible, please, about you know that we might have all heard about. What what have you been doing? Is it is it Elsid? Is it Spanish? Uh, going to do the accent. I've, I've almost finished the entire army in about well, I don't know how long is it. When did we meet up? Uh, it was last week, wasn't it? Oh, no, when no, we no. did our handover. Um, four weeks, I painted the whole Legio Heroica army. Nice. Have you have you actually? Send you one to do for me. <laughs> Seven bases of. Uh, Sorry, nine bases of uh, knights, mm. uh, three bases of heavy infantry, four bases of crossbow, <coughs> light foot bowmen, all done and dusted. I just need to do the a couple of light horse cavalry, finish off the bowmen. So when you say a whole army, you actually mean... An AGM I'm not even sure, well, I'm not even sure this is legal, but it means you sound like you've got a 200-point list there, a standard-sized list, and you've only painted the figures necessary to put that together, right. rather than going, oh, and if I had another one of those, I could possibly field that on a Wednesday, and then I could do actually four of them would let me do 300 points, and you end up with an enormous amount of figures. But this no. is just a proper army's worth. No, I've, 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 over, I've overdone it. Um, yeah. Six lots of nights, but I'm going to end up with nine. Just, just a mere fifty percent over. Yeah. Loads of knights with little big man transfers on the shields. Mm. Uh, everything. Oh, by the way, I, I think you should spray horses black. Oh, we have controversy. We have controversy. Fight, fight, fight. I too use all the coat d'arms horses paint, and they are, I agree, really good. I do agree. The 
Dunn has a little bit of a problem with coverage on the black. But what's good is it you can leave the legs black and the tails black, and then you get the effect. And the chestnut covers really well with the darker um, color. But then you get the effect of the dark, the black shark coming through the paint. And that's much, much, much better, I find. That's the yeah, egg. I have tried that, but um, but I think I've, I would still go with Peter myself and go, yeah. do white and then use the army painter wash for the dark bits on the legs and the, the other bits. Yeah, so but just you're, if you're doing something like um, Mongol horses and that, you want black legs. So what I do is paint, I, I, I spray them black and then I do a dry brush of grey over so you pull out the tail and you get mm. the detail on and then put the darker cut with the horse colours onto the top of it. And I, I agree, some of it doesn't cover brilliantly. Is it quite a thick dry brush then? Are you actually painting no, onto the dry brush or is it just to pick out the, the detail? So you can see the horse's mane, the horse's tail, you know, mm -hmm. that little bit of grey over the horse's tail makes it stand out. And also makes the, it tones down the black on the legs so you can see the legs and the definition and that sort of thing. I, I, I've, I've, I've definitely moved to that. I used to do white, but I've just moved mm. Right. Okay. Have you still got odds and sods of it left enough to do probably another whole army or, or will that be the whole thing? Uh, I've still got um, two lots of heavy infantry to do. I've, I've, I've overdone the light horse. I, I, they, they don't do a Hinet in a Legio Roca range, which is a shame. If, uh, oh, what? Hmm. Hinet. So, Hinet. Can, can we, sorry, can we? Uh, uh, repeating the word again doesn't actually make it even more understandable. I think he means a Jeanette. Jeanette. Not a right. Oh, <laughs> now it's understandable. <laughs> no, not, not a hair net. It is a right. okay. Spanish light horse. Uh, now we're Spanish light horse, we've got it, yeah. Um, so I've ended up using Muslim are you ones. sure they're not? Are you sure they're not Jeanettes? <laughs> so, um, like I've ended up using Muslim ones, which are not... Um, right. uh, Donington do it. Yeah, but they, they, I want something to go. I want to do all Legio Heroica and keep, you know, an army Legio Heroica, you know. Okay. So, because um, last time you got the Duke of Cadbury or something like that, did you did you yeah, do yeah. the heraldry last week or any new bizarre colour combinations this week? I mean, oh, hang on a minute. I've got I've got my piece of paper here, so um, I've got. You've got a uh, spreadsheet. You've got a spreadsheet. Kingdom and Leon. We've got. Um, uh, we've got the Lords of Viscaya, Biscay, which is Harrow, Harrow, where we've been and had wine. We've been to Harrow, yes. We've, 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 we've had tapas in the town Harrow square. Harrow in Spain. Yeah. And then we've got, uh, what we've got else? We've got the Count of Lara. No, maybe not him. Oh, we've got the Holy Is that Lord cricketing related? Lago and Alcantara. Then we've got uh, Don Atorella, Lord of Quinto. Lord of Quinto. Uh, so, Dave, how are you going to remember these? Are you going to paint the names or write the names on the base? Or paper with their names in the back. The no. names are so long, they'd have to be 25 mil figures. Yeah. Okay. But they're all people from La Navas de la Tolosa. So I can identify all the, all the, all the Spanish nobility from... So you, you, you've got Dave, to make Dave, sure you do. Dave, I can see you. I can see you going to a competition in Spain with this army. Yeah, and play, playing somebody local and saying, "This is my Spanish army. This is whatever, whatever, whatever." And the guy looking at you, thinking, "What on earth is he talking about?" 
exactly. think that's going to happen anywhere he does it, Andy. Anywhere at all with that accent. Dave, what you've got to do is make sure when you're playing someone, you don't say, oh, yes, and this is the Duke of the... And this is... Because someone's done that to me when they had a War of the Roses army. And he was telling me all the... And I was just sat there thinking, I don't care. <laughs> I didn't ask. It's I, just like, I don't care, mate. And he wouldn't stop. I'm going to wait for one of the Spanish guys to turn around and say, oh, that's my great, 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 great grandfather. <laughs> What's the Spanish for? I don't care, because you'll probably hear that. <laughs> yeah. well, no, that's probably a knight. Medieval army, do it properly. Yeah. Cerveza. That's the Spanish for I don't care. Yeah, that could be it. Doth cerveza, por favor. That would yeah. be the one. Right. So if you're getting surprisingly to the end of that one, um, just trying to remember, I think you said you might be doing um, an army for someone else. Is that next in the Dave painting queue? No, or... I'm waiting for it to arrive. That, that'll be Lurkio English Restoration. Oh, right. OK. That, that's, I, I know nothing about that. So I've, I have been doing some research on the little red jackets with the green cuffs and the Huguenot units and blah 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 and all that so we, when that happens we'll get there and do that yeah i think they're quite chubby little figures those guys um when they yeah, come they're, they're going to be a bit different from the lego heroica but we'll see yeah all right and, and do you have anything any bits and bobs in the drawer that might um tide you over there's still franks there's still, there's still... <laughs> you got rugby shirts to do there's still about there's another still... army of rugby shirted franks and uh I'm just I'm just waiting for uh, Lyston to do some more figures for their Akai Menus. They're um, later, early, no, early Akai Menus, so I can start getting a few more of those. But there's bits and bobs, but I, I don't know. I, I've got no idea. I mean, it's great to have painted all these armies. It'd be really nice to get them on the table and play with them. Just even one of them, really. Maybe we'll go back to, like, you know, the really old days that people used to do when, when we all played fifth or sixth and, like, everybody just gets all their armies out on a 18 foot table and puts them all next to each other and we just line them all up and go and it's just like the <laughs> and then has... we're all on one side and dave's there with all his franks on the franks. other <laughs> it's just a whole <laughs> 18 foot of 15 armies 18 foot of franks against everything <laughs> well, well, that's basically that's basically what happens when stan does one of his um king of the battlefield days it's basically right. bring all your toys and shove them on the table we'll we won't worry about who's allied with who yeah no, that's good. But this will be like the Achaemenids allied with the Austrians or something like that from 1812. There'll be all sorts of odds and sods on that. And then Judge Dredd will be waving in, won't he? Um, blasting everybody with um, laser beams or whatever. Um, but no, actually, your, that mention of the Achaemenids reminds me. Um, one of the, the things I forgot from last week in the What Have You Done Over the Last Month was was my... Um, they're supposed to be 10 mil, but I did them as 15 mil Persian war wagons. Oh from, yeah. Um, oh yeah, that, wonderful. From those um Pendragon, a Pendragon 10 mil MDF siege tower that was about a fiver. Um that I crewed it up with 15 mil Persian figures because I've I've got now all the um, museum people have arrived, which means I was able to recycle some of my old Essex ones and kind of jam them into this three-story siege tower. Um recycle some um horses which are probably not appropriate they probably should have been oxen but but the horses from an essex war wagon as well with the side panels to protect them from shooting and paint a couple of these things up for those mad um cyrus the great's mobile towers um as a kind of shooting platform which which sounds like they actually might really have been a thing 
um, rather than just something. Battle where they were supposed to abuse them. Yeah, but I, I kind of get the impression they might have been a real thing rather than just an apocryphal made up load of old nonsense, um, yeah, which, yeah. which slightly surprised me. But but yeah, getting getting those done and then doing my cheaty wallpaper thing of, of recycling some some images from Pinterest and um, just sticking them to the side of these little MDF towers. And I, I chucked that onto, um, I took the photos, chucked it on the website and put it on Facebook and a couple of other places. And it just got almost literally hundreds of likes and retweets and all sorts of other bits and pieces. Um, people saying that how you know bonkers it was which was good and um i even um checked with the guy uh, um at pendragon leon at pendragon and um, i'm just trying to think where it is i've got it somewhere were, were they asking mess. you for wallpapering advice <laughs> no I, I actually said look did you flog anymore and he said um since it put it up they sold up they sold eight more sets which <laughs> um is clearly quite good so you know it's it's generating business for someone with these little mdf um mdf siege tower so that was a whole other thing um alongside all the, the bits and bobs but but this week i've been making a bit of a dent in the 10 mil world war ii stuff that's that's been gradually been collected and i think last week was dunkel gelb spray day um getting everything painted sort of yucky greeny yellow and this week i've i did a test one tried some things to try and get the um three-tone camo working properly um got a couple of tips off off some people i think michael from the club as well on the internet about how to make it look a bit better than it did to start with and i've now got six hannah mags um a command vehicle a opal blitz truck and a little stug with a load of little geezers on the back of it um being ferried around and then also a couple of little 250s as recce um as well so <coughs> as a as a test for the rest of the tanks i'll do the i'll start doing the tanks soon and and they've come out really really well and it's just odd having a a consistent set of um of german stuff um that's here and i i've, I've just chucked a few photos online in the last last couple of hours to to get them up with them um, taken in the light box well the you know the five so light box. what was the um uh, suggestion on the camouflage was it less is more or something well, I um, you know, it's that debate about do you get an airbrush for a handful of ten mil tanks? Which the answer is just no, really. I'm I'm not going to do that. Um, <coughs> yeah. You had an opportunity to buy more kit and you turned it down. No, but I, I think we had that. Call yourself a war gamer. Well, sort of, but you know, uh, Tamsin, I think you contributed to that discussion, and um, and it just was the point of don't buy a cheap one, and then you end up with a compressor and all the other bits. And I'm just going, it was just a step too far. And I actually So what is, what is the approved Mad Axman way of painting German three-tone camo now then? Because I've seen the pictures and they do look quite yeah. good. Yeah, um, yeah. So so it's it's spray with Dunkel Gelb, which is a straightforward one. Then do the first set of stripes quite broad, as broad stripes, but do them a about a 50-50 mix of the color and dunkel gelb so you um you kind of get a washed out green and a washed out brown for the first set of colors and then you do a, a stripe down the middle of the full um color 
So if you um, <coughs> if you look at some of them, you can actually still see it that the middle is darker than the edges. You know, if, if you were um, Tams, I suspect you probably do about four different layers and blend it in completely. I just did it with two because they're they're ten mil and um, there's a limit to how good I am and, and accurate. So, I am. Yeah. well, I'd be, well down the middle. Fair, I'd be doing it with an airbrush. Well, you'd be doing it with airbrush. So the center strike will always be stronger than the outside. Yeah. So the strip down the middle is the same color, yeah. Yeah, it's the same color, but the so the the wider strip. Why is it darker? Because it's the full color. It's not mixed 50-50 with Dunkel Gelb. Oh, right. That's what I missed. So you're mixing it with yeah. Dunkel Gelb. Oh, okay. That, 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 yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So that's doing it. And you can, and you can see, and when I did it to start with, it was like, that's still a bit kind of strong. And I was in, in really two minds. But then um, someone said, look, what you then do is you dry brush the whole thing with Dunkel Gelb as well. And that does blend it in a lot more, um, which I was sort of, in two minds whether it worked but it it actually does um so um i was kind of very chuffed with the way you can do it and i think on some of them um you can just about see it i think it's um uh, maybe it's it's best on some of the um as you know you can see on that one let's just see if i if i share screen with you guys just briefly um you can see on this little stug um the strips down the front like that brown you can see the full brown and the lighter brown and then on the um the um left hand side as well you can see the green and the, the green and the brown strips on there there's a, a darker bit down the middle so um, you didn't want to go to the dotty fashion one then i i was in two minds but it's i just thought that would look i'd already commenced down this one uh, of oh, the ambush ambush pattern. yeah the full ambush yeah one. I was in kind of two minds about dotty. that. Yeah, but I just thought that was just a little bit too much. You know, I want them to, to blend it a bit more. Especially um, for 10 mil, it would be a bit hard to... Uh, it's just a lot, a lot of work, like really. The dotty, um, one, the dotty one's good. The dotty one is, but you've got to go with one of them. And, and I kind of wanted the stripes. And, and I've got some um, pre-paint um, plastic ones as well that are very, that, are that um, stripey colour as well that I... I might get away with not even repainting um, because they're sort of close enough. They're just a little bit lighter. So you just didn't want to have another unit which was dotty as well. So you could have the dotty balloon, uh, platoon and the stripy platoon. Yeah, I think going the dotty platoon and the stripy platoon is probably not the way the, um, the Vermac would have been organised in, um, you know, the dotty platoon over there and the, the stripy platoon somewhere else. So so it was, um, it, but I'm, I'm chuffed with the way they come out and, um, starting to put the numbers on i've got a set of numbers from pendragon um with the little crosses as well which is good um i've also been working on the basing of this ross and viking army i did a lot of the the sand and the glue and the wood stain over the last few days so they're about probably three quarters done um in terms of suddenly being able to refurb them but but i'm repainting all the spears as i said there um and i've also put onto lollipop sticks quite a few figures i actually i actually took the drill the the fantastic dremel on its um drilling stand and it normally sort of sits tucked away in the corner of the desk but i actually moved yeah the the pull down you know fruit machine whatever it is thing and um i actually cleared the desk and moved it into the middle of the desk and <coughs> and drilled a few more um arm and 
arms and hands of some of the um, Donington 15 mil um, Swiss that I've got um, to, to drop some pikes into those because they do leave the hands drilling out. So that's all done. Um, and then I accidentally got a bit more stuff from Pendragon as well. So I've got um, a Sherman with a mind flail. I've got a priest. I've got um, and a couple of German um, mobile anti-aircraft things, a whirlwind and one that's in the back of a very, very oh, fat truck. I used to love the whirlwind. Yeah, no, it's a real thing, isn't it? But, um, but I've got one that's in the back of an enormously fat prime mover. Um, just, just this sort of thing. But one of these little funny half tracks. With a, yeah, yeah. Um, in it. but those big German prime mover half tracks are either completely produced out of scale, or they were immense. It's about they, they, they were, were immense. immense. Yeah, they it's were like, really large. It's like twenty percent wider than a eighty eight on them. I was going to say they use them for towing field guns and things. Yeah, yeah but it's like put wider an than eighty eight on it. Yeah, mm, huge, huge, great thing. Um, Sorry, you accidentally <coughs> you you rang up Leon. And I said, yeah, how, how's it been going with the um, MDF's tower stuff? Oh, yeah, and by the way, just... can I have a Sherman with a mine layer and blah, blah, blah. No, I know. It was, it was actually more than... Because uh, I was ordering um, 160 40 by 30 MDF bases. Ah. And and once you've done that, it's just that something just jumps out of the... Well, you you, you know, didn't try and tell me it was an accidental click. The, the mouse made you do click. it. It was out, yeah. Because I could have just gone on the Minibits website and just bought them and um, the, just the MDF, but... I thought I'd buy them through the Pendragon one just to see while I paid for the postage if there's anything else. And um, strangely enough, there was, which was um, some of these these other bits and pieces. So, so it's that. And then as we've been sat here, I've just dug out something that's been sat on the um, table for ages. Is a 1-200th Junkers 52 paratroop, German paratroop plane um, that is from a Zvezda kit. And 1-200th is is fine for um, 10 mil for aeroplanes because aeroplanes look bloody enormous and, and you're not going to be doing too much with them anyway. But I'm not sure. I'm going to have to go diving in the bin once we're finished with this because as I've unpacked it, I'm, I'm realising I've got all the bits apart from the glass canopy. Um, so, so that's Some of them were open canopy. Really? I think well, so, yeah. Low altitude. Yeah, 52, not, not the one on this box. Um, oh, well. <laughs> they were, I think. I think that might just be my fault. I might have um, accidentally, in my excitement, um, unpacked it. And um, what do you think oh, of the no, stuff? I've got it. I've got it. It's in with the stickers. Oh, the there you go. Ah, there's the glass canopy. What do you think of the Zvida stuff? Um, well, this is the first one oh, I've like done. It. Um, it's really solid. You know, it it said click together. I've used glue, but it said click together. Um, you know, it's. It, it is a gaming piece, I think, slightly more than a, a proper model. But, but honestly, for what I want to use it for, it's absolutely fine. I think this was like three quid or something for for a proper sized aeroplane. It's got all the ribs on the side of it and things like that. And what I, am bought I, a few different, I bought a few few different stuff from Zvida, and I've never bought any of their stuff and been disappointed with it. They always yeah. do. Good, good quality. Even their twenty mil, um, like Napoleonics and stuff, which is like gold airfix boxes, but it's Vida. Yeah. It's as good as twenty eight mil metal figures you'll get. They really are top quality. Yeah. I've never bought anything from that company that I thought, oh, this is ropey. It's always been um, done the job that you want it to do. And this is a really, it's really solid plastic actually as well. 
you know, I, I think sometimes you get the plastic and it's a bit thin, but this is like proper, proper weighty stuff. So, so, you know, I, I will then, I think it means I've got to go buy some German powers possibly, unless I've got some already. I'll, I'll have to check. I'm not sure if I do. Um, you probably sold them all to me about 10 years ago. Yeah, possibly. But then I've also got, um, I, would, I also did some um, more Mycenaean um, spearmen as well. I, I did another four bases of those because I've, um, I've got a theory after going to an event in France about 15 months ago that my previous Mycenaean army, well, my current Mycenaean army was going, go big on the chariots and don't have so many spearmen. And then I saw some bloke come second or third in the competition by having minimum chariots and going big on the spearmen. So um, that, that seeped through my brain after about um, <laughs> more than a year and a half. And um, I bought another four or five bases of spearmen when I bought the museum order. How would the, the spearmen do well against the chariots? I thought they'd just get mowed over. Well, the way the guy was using it was um, it was it was a biblical themed competition. So the two very good things in a biblical themed competition are the heavy infantry warband in the Sea People and um, elite chariots or you know impact chariots. So having an army that is. 15 supported spearmen he took support with all of the spearmen took two bowmen i think with each command so each command was like six spearmen two bowmen and maybe one or two chariots as a reserve or a gap filler and it was basically i'm going to go forward with 15 plus spearmen i'm going to ping a bit of shooting off you i've got six light foot with javelin to screen them um and we're all supported so supported will cancel out impact or or you know make it almost impossible for um for chariots to take them down and once you've done that you're dragging people into a war of attrition but but a wall of 15 supported spear and not much else you can hit is suddenly very problematic for an army that relies on on four chariots and and you've also got a huge hit point count in for a biblical army because a lot of biblical armies are all in ADLG, three hit point medium infantry. That that was the theory, and um, and it seemed to work. And I think whenever I've tried to use Mycenaeans by maxing out the the not very good chariots by having a lot of you know a dozen heavy chariots with no impact, it's just not worked. <laughs> so so it was kind of here's a different way of doing it. I really like those figures painting up the you know the double bow case um, shields with the cow hide and stuff like that is kind of cool and um i've actually still got a 28 mil achilles figure um that is going to get um done as a general as well so i can have achilles and hector and a couple of those as, as sort of like heroic heroic generals to go with it so so yeah so it's been a you know an, an eclectic week of Junkers so you, you weren't watching uh, Brad Pitt for the you know the advice about you know how to paint it and everything else then? Well, you know, I, I was thinking about sticking in kind of a, a completely anachronistic Greek spearman um, with a hoplite panoply or something like that, but but there wasn't. Also, I think this um, I think it's a new line figure actually. The new line are lovely figures, but but um, I think as um, Shania Twain would say, he ain't no Brad Pitt. Um, this particular one so it's it's someone else but you know while we're talking to brad pitt andy what what have you been up to this week this means war 
finishing off the lunch next. And um, I've, I've finished pretty well all the figures now, apart from the generals. So that's 230 figures in total in just over a month, which I'm very happy about. And uh, so just doing the generals as we speak. And then that will be a completed project, which for me is quite remarkable. Are we all um, are we all speeding up at painting, or are we all just run out of other things to do? I, well, I'm just would... wondering. Andy might be stripe happy after this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He sees everything in five colours. Yeah, <laughs> that looks yeah. really good. Thank you. It does. Yeah. No, they look grand. Yeah. The the um the the flags are handmade. I I went online and somebody had a thing on on somewhere on Facebook or something about painting Lanchneck flags. So I found the easiest ones I could find and just copied them. And they, oh, wow, they're, they're painted, not printed? Yeah. Wow. God, I didn't even that think is it impressive. was possible. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the, the overall impression is, ooh, shiny colours, and that's that, that's basically what I wanted to achieve. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite, quite pleased with that lot. Whether it's any good on the table remains to be seen, but... Um, uh, I'm 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 happy with the visual effect, and uh, that's that done. And my next my next painting project will be not quite as glamorous. It's going to be um, ten mil undead skeleton army. So that'll be basically be dry brushed, yep, uh, black and dry brushed bleached bone, and that will be pretty well most of it, apart from some rags that they're carrying. And uh, you know, so they'll, they'll be done. They'll be done by next week then. Uh, probably not. Probably not quite that quick. No. Right. But, uh, <laughs> Actually, skeletons, I'd, I'd suggest go with the dark brown rather than black undercoat. Okay. Yeah, thanks. I think okay. that will look better with the, I, more, I better with the bone. It'll though. tone better, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how so many layers of bone between... would you do? Yeah, how many layers of bone paint would you do? I mean, these are 10 mil figures. <laughs> yeah, true. Mm. And what's the difference between painting skeletons and painting Austrians? Um... <laughs> Well, I, th I think Austrians are easier to come by. There's more you of them. Need, you don't need to use flesh colour. Yeah. <laughs> you just use a slight greeny tint to it or something like that. <laughs> the what, the Austrians? No, that, that's, under, that's under the Jaegers. No, I'm, I'm thinking of that um, cuisine that they invented, whatever it was, chicken with prawns or something, What if you're French, a, in a landlocked country. No, that uh, was French. That was the French who did that. That scares me. Um, so, but it's still, it's all sticky in there. I'm still remembering it. It, yeah. it must have been quite educational. You should have had a go at the club quiz this weekend. It was all about Battle of Waterloo and pictures of paintings of people who'd been there. Uh, no, no, I missed it. I was I was focused on three-tone German stripes. Um, that, that was my thing. Yeah. I, I did know. do a bit of purchasing, though. Yeah. In fact, actually, that does remind me of one more thing I was going to say. So I bought a Vallejo set of... Um, six bottles this was a year ago of german armor paint set which adam this is this is what this is kind of like in your wheelhouse i think so it's like middlestone which is dunkelgelb which is great because you do need that clearly which is fine and then the camouflage is is the chocolate brown and the reflective green that's the two vallejo which match this german thing good right okay there's german gray i can buy that as well and then there's track color and I was painting the track colour, and then halfway through, I was thinking, "What the hell is it? Who? No, is there a colour that German tank tracks were that mud coloured? Well, but then mud would sort of change, wouldn't it? So, but what did did Germany make its tank? What colour is it? It's a kind of 
dirty brown. Um, it's mud coloured, isn't it? Meant to reflect the sort of uh, German German tracks. It was it was straight it was straight steel, so they'd have got they rusted up quite a lot. This says red oxide primer and rust, and you're going. It's not red oxide primer and rust. It's just brown, and it's indistinguishable from chocolate brown, really. And then on the bottom of a ten mil tank, in which it's glued to the um, half, it's glued to the floor. And that thing about war games, we all spend so long going, "Oh, is this exactly the right colour of that?" And then we all laugh at people who do it too much, and then we all end up doing that ourselves anyway. Which was just, which is just. And then the sixth one um, is ivory, which is for tank interior. And I'm going. No, <laughs> no, <Yeah. I'm, laughs> they don't yeah. even have interiors, these ones, um, and highlights. Unless we've got a model of tank that had been blown up and had half its side taken off or something. But then I think well, it would come open, be... Open, it's got open hatches. Um, even it's then, got... it's black shadow, isn't it? It's like... Yeah. It's yeah. Have yeah. I, uh, one no, I, I thought either the hatch, the hatch cover, the hatch covers. Oh, well, the inside of the hatches. Yeah. But if you've got an open hatch... You've got a little German bloke oh, with, um, yeah. You've got a commander sat in it, probably a fat one. So he completely covers it. In fact, <laughs> some of them even make the, um, you know, the hatches with the commander baked in. Really, um, I think you buy that separately. That's the um, almost uh, um, Victrix ones, I think, or something like that. So, <coughs> very, very odd set of paints. But, um, so um, you've got skeletons coming up, Andy. Um, you've now got the tip about painting them brown. Yeah, thanks for that, Tamsin. And I said I did a bit of purchasing off a museum. I, I, I went, I went for those. I went for the uh, Thracian. Well, what I'm going to use the Thracian cavalry. I went for the couple of some packs of Greek medium cavalry and uh, some some light lights as well. And uh, while I was there, I bought some uh, lanchnecked uh, carb carbine light cavalry. So, ah, is that round out your army that um, blue yeah, men don't just, do? Just a couple of skirmishing things for it. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then um, just running along the top, then Simon. Um, so I think you've put in a museum order as well, and, and you've got some pictures of those lanchonettes. What's, what's been your painting and shopping week? So for me, just um, two simple things. So I've uh, finished up another Janissary unit for Renaissance, because why have four Janissary units? Well, you can have six of them, because you know, yeah. they're all very pretty. Um, so they're looking really good. Uh, I've started working on some of the Ottoman Turk um, heavy cavalry, the couple cooling. So I'm trying to do some of the different colour, because they're meant to be very pretty units, so like the reds, purples, and whites, with little dots and um, scimitars or things like that, just to make all the banners look a bit interesting and all that. Are you going white undercoat with those? or um... Um, I've gone for a grey undercoat across the board, because okay. that, that was the one base coat I had available in, in, in the can. <laughs> A choice of all the ones I had available. This was um, this was one. notable for being available. Yep. Oh shit! I've got gold. <laughs> <laughs> well, some, oh, some yeah. people on the podcast would be happy with that. Yeah, that would be job done, wouldn't it? Hey, that's start and finish. Yep. Well, so suppose you haven't tried doing a high elf army, Peter. You can get done in about two minutes. Just take them oh, outside, oh, spray oh, them, and they're oh, done. Oh. Get stuck on the pointy ears, but uh. <laughs> so, so sorry, are you going to admit what you've shopped for then? Um, so I, in the end, I was a little good, so I didn't go completely stupid on the museum um, miniatures website, which I have been known to do. Um, mm. So, like Andy, 
I need some more Renaissance. So there may have been some Lenschnik uh, light artillery just to flesh out my uh, German Lenschniks. Yeah, they're quite nice, those ones. Yeah, I so, the big guns, and that was good yeah. for heavy artillery, but sometimes you just need light artillery. So I uh, uh, right. So realistically, Simon, how many Renaissance armies could, I mean, could you have you got at least an army for every single person on this uh, podcast, Renaissance army? Yes. And have you enough for two armies for every single person on this podcast? Almost. <laughs> Entirely possible. <laughs> yeah, I can do um, uh, Ottoman Turk, Ottoman, and Ottoman Turk, and then uh, the, the Poles. Lots of the the Lenschnik style of armies. A lot of English Civil War, Thirty Years' War. That I can do later one. So I might have a slight addiction, but we won't talk about that. This podcast. So, uh, you're um, you're um, Lanschnet Pike Hills. I'm looking at those Andy ones from that picture. So are they 80 by 80s? Is that um, how they're 80 based? 80 by 60. 80 by 60. 80 by 60 deep. Okay. Yeah. That's and a, 32 that's figures. It's eight, eight figures wide. All right. Okay. No, because I'm just looking at um, some of my own um, old Mike's Models ones, which I'm not sure they're going to see much, much action really, but they might be prime candidates to rebase to a a couple of 80 by 60s that might be quite cute um, yeah what i've done is um for adlgr the big tercio is on the 80 by 80 because when you put down the table okay. you go, that's a tercio Gosh. and yep. you've got that nice square effect and then the big keels and the um the later tercios are 80 by 60 because they're a little bit thinner from the infantry you know there wasn't yep. as many troops in it and so it's very simple you can look and go big slight big pike and shot there you go yeah, no, that, that might be a thing. Yeah, no, I'm I'm still toying with the idea of flogging off some of my um some of my Swiss to make up different Swiss, but that's a long thing. So what what did you um what are you going to admit what you ordered on museum other because yeah. I don't think it was just two guns, was it? You know, you're not going on the museum sale and ordering two guns and a couple of light horse. No, so um the I was going to buy a hoplite army and a a um Alexander the Great army. Yeah, but looking through the Greek army, the thought of actually just having 20 spear and a yeah. couple of cavalry really, when you sort of think about yeah, why am I going to do this? So I just bought a few of the hoplites just to actually paint for the sheer fun of it. Yep. And maybe next year I might buy a few more of them. But um, I bought enough of the Macedonian successor army, that, that style of one, so I can do Alexander the Great because I don't have anything that particular period. So I've got enough bits and pieces to do Carthage, Macedonian successors, all those, that, that all those bit, middle between yeah. Romans and the Gauls and my um, Egyptians. So, kind of uh, classical, basically, yeah. Classical area. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a few yeah. pike and things like that, because I've obviously got a few elephants, so I can do all the elephant army ally, the Indian um, allies. So just the idea of doing some cool big pike units with um, big sticks and the um, companions and stuff like that. So um, I bought all uh, those. I think I always think for the um, the Macedonian and Pike units, it's one of the armies that the Veni Vidi Vici water slide transfers still work really well for, just mm -hmm. on shields with those simple designs. So, you know, well, the sunburst ones, the sunburst ones, or any of the other ones, really, if you get the right backgrounds, it's it's one of those ones where going the full hog on um, on little big men is is possibly not worth it, just because they're all you know they're all tiny patterns and the water slide works quite well, but. Uh, 
I've done the little big man army <clears throat> with Zeiston figures. It's something you only want to do once. Yeah. <laughs> six bases of Macedonian pike. At, oh. And I did it for Pog, and they were four bases deep, four pike on each. Oh. And I did six, and I did them all with little big man transfers. And that that's was, a lot of swearing, isn't it? That's yeah, a lot that's, of swearing. That, that was my second army when I got back um, doing miniatures again after doing Romans. Uh, I did sort of, you know, all the hot tights and everything else. It was great because you can spray a load of them gold. <laughs> and then and they're that, halfway done. That, that, those those Zeiston phalanxes have got one hell of a lot of use and they are looking a bit ragged now. They yeah. look like veterans for sure. Yeah, they're slightly worn, aren't they? Yeah, for, for sure. Okay. And... Um, and what about painting, or has it just been museum clicking this week? Oh no, sorry, you said you'd started um you'd started the um Ottomans. Mm. That sounds like that's gonna be quite a project. Um, so you were you we weren't tempted by that um extra set of Ottomans that I um I think Martin from Vexilia sent to me that was um on eBay. Yeah, I looked and went, do I need more Turks? It's like yeah. mm. What's that, need got to do with it? I know, but I've just bought 350 points of ADLGR um, Ottoman right. tank. I don't even need 100 points of them. I yeah, that's a pretty the chunky set. In. Were they all cavalry? I think they were, actually. Yeah, they look like they're all cavalry. Mm. Um, so, you know, if, but then again, it's, um, as we say, who, we're into that weird thing about need and, and the rest of it. So. Um, so Adam, you know what? What didn't you need this week that you ended up doing? Um, well, painting-wise, I've just carried on painting the Dacians. I've got the second batch of thirty, more or less done. They just need the um, shading slop thing on it, so that's quite good because um, I my painting hasn't gone into overdrive and in lockdown because I've got two children that aren't at school and I'm doing things with them, which is lovely. Um, but uh, yeah, going on and quite happy with that. Um, Buying-wise, um, I've got to buy some just a few cavalry to round out the army. Now, question for people that know more about the history than me, because I've done massive research. Um, mm. What should I use as Dacian cavalry? Because no, no bugger sells Dacian cavalry. How, how actually, we might have a solution. I might have a fantastic solution here. How many do you need? Um, well, for this army, I only need four. What four bases or four? Um, no, just four because I was I was just going to do four figures, um, the two light horse. Two light horse. I might be able to do you a deal on that because I've got um, accidentally somehow I looked in the cupboard and they were just there um, a pack of the Victrix Gallic cavalry. Um, okay, which is a dozen, which I bought for my in theory Seleucid army, um, and I'm not. I am not going to get a Gallic army in 28 mil because no, it's just not going to happen. Um, so <laughs> yeah, they, they, they would do it. The Gaelic ones. Yeah. So the Gallic ones would do it. So I think the, the solution. Cause I was thinking like again, the Germans. Yeah. But I think that the, the goals will be the same, but I probably only need half of the, well, I only need two bases, I think for a Seleucid army. Mm -hmm. So I could find a way to, um, to swap you for um, Gallic cavalry from the Victrix set. And, looking at it the um your your offcuts of sprues 
um, and if there's any actual bodies and bits and pieces left. So it's the it's the heads and the hands from your um, Dacian. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I've got there's there's hundreds of heads. I've got far too many yeah. heads. Um, Two-handed foxes. There's a few because yeah. um, I've used most of them. But there's loads of one-handed ones and swords and stuff. Oh so no, one-handed ones is absolutely fine because I, oh, I think I only yeah, need like, them. I need like a dozen or so for a couple of Thracians. And, yeah, no, um, more than welcome. So yeah, head, heads and hands. If there's heads and hands off, all, all the offcuts off your sprues, and I can um, I can swap you six um, or four. Yeah, that would the, be lovely. Four of the cavalry, and um, it's a deal. It's a steal. What's um, what's not to like? Century sailor, the bleeding century, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, and um, on the transfers and stuff for shields, because uh, Simon, I actually used those um, water slides that you gave me. Thank you very much, and they're quite they're quite good. They're they're good. It's um, they're not as good as little big man. Um, but you can't get what you paid for. And for me, yeah. it was free. It was good. Although I, I would say Dave was saying it's a nightmare putting them on. I found putting the little big man sh shields on, shield transfers on really, really easy. It might be because it's 28 mil. 28 mil, but it's a big, big difference. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I found them easy. And the water slides are good because um, not only can you sort of like slide them on, you can cut you can cut bits out so you can make it look a bit, bit, bit different. Now, I... I've looked at one that didn't even need that. No, wow. Just Slick. went on. Um, now, I looked at one. I looked at one. I thought, bugger, because I'm putting them on two sides. Mm. And one I put, oh, that's not symmetrical. One's closer to the shield boss than the other. But sorry, it's, yeah. it was just this drunk yeah. shield painter. Yeah. The um, only downside to it, really, is when I look at them in a certain light, you can kind of see the shine of the transfer. Right. As well as seeing the pattern, you can see the water slide transfer. But I'm hoping that when I look at most places I play toy soldiers on in dim and dingy, it's like you just won't get that glare. Because at home, when I look at it in the Monday light, you get a did bit you of a do shiny the um, did you do the gloss varnish sandwich for the water slides? Oh no, no. So uh, water slide gloss coat always coat. gloss gloss coat first, then the transfer, then another gloss coat, then a matte coat. Because then okay, they made a mat coat, but okay. Or, um, after, or after applying the transfer, use what Tim showed you there, mic yeah. set, because that actually helps to melt, melt, melt the edge of the transfer as well. The decal backing. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's it's micro set you put on okay. first, and then micro sole that you put on afterwards. No, I think it's the other way. Isn't it? Well, not the way I've written it down. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure I looked it up because I was doing that every single because I've got the Microsoft and the Microset, which I bought last year um, just for the hell of it. I don't put that many transfers on. And every single time I needed to use it, I was having to go online and Google, how do you use Microsoft and Microset? Because I could never remember, even though there's only bloody two of them. And um, so I ended up writing on it. Microset, I've written base on the side. What? Why, why don't you just write a one and two on it? Microset sounds like second to make it set. Yeah, yeah. Oh, one. Oh, this oh, this one yeah. first, a uh, big number one, and there's a number so, two. Oh, I use that second. So what do these things do? Because it's so, like this. I've just never used transfer. So, so oh, Microset, Microsoft helps it, helps it helps the decal. So yeah. I the one you put on first, which I think is Microsol, that helps it to conform the decal to conform to the surface. Yeah. Then you let that dry. And 
So do you put it on before the transfer? Sets, which helps blend it, it helps blend in the decal backing. Yeah. Oh, read, okay. I've got them, I've got them here. So um, yeah. the first read, one I put on before one you put the transfer quite, on. One yeah. smells quite uh, quite strong, like vinegar is the one you use second. Okay. Um so microset here, which I think goes first and you think goes second, is setting solution for decals, softens decals and improves adhesion. So I think that's the base color. Um, and then microsol is softens detail, decals to conform to irregular surfaces for a painted on look. And I think that's the one that dissolves the decal a bit. And it goes okay, on second. It doesn't get any tougher than this. It doesn't get any tougher. This is like, but you know, but I'm sure we could look this up online. And So the first maybe one you different put on before you put the decal on. No, yeah, so I, 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 I've just I've just looked it up, and they're actually saying that you use them in different situations. Oh no! <laughs> Come so, on, <laughs> really? You don't use them together. This the set is um, for flexible for conforming to you know for better adhesion for when you're doing sort of like flat stuff, so-called yeah. painted on look, and yeah. the micro sole is for more irregular services. So you're not even supposed to use them together. So I want the set on the. On a flat surface, I think it's set, right? So I and think the shields are all flat. So exactly. So it's gloss varnish, then micro set, then when that dries, it's another layer of gloss varnish, and then it's matte varnish, and then me and Tamsin will have a, a private, separate, two-hour-long debate about which way round these, which will release as a separate podcast. Yeah, and it'll all be that fine. Like, yeah. I was going to say it sounds like a lot of dicking about, but I suppose if it gets rid of the shine, slight shine. Yeah, and um, at the end of the day, it is a lot of dicking about. But but if you're putting on teeny tiny transfers, and, and my my teeny tiny little Germans um, with their teeny tiny little transfers, it's it's gone completely. Um, you can't see it at all. Um, I was worried because the last time I used transfers, I think I, th I think when I was you're eleven, ten, doing <laughs> yeah. a bit fire hurricane. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was worried about sort of like it's sort of like the transfer folding in and just sticking together and go, oh for God's sake. But and, it's and like that they, happened, they came that off easily, they went on yeah. easily, it was all lovely. I think the big difference in that, there's not been any big developments in transfer design, it's just you're no longer 10. Yeah, um, that, that so might be it. But that's kind I found of it a lot easier. I I because I was thinking, yeah. oh, do I need to sort of like reset? And I thought, no, I'll just yeah. cut them out, put them in warm water and slap them on, and they went on lovely. I think it's that's it, yeah. Quite a bit of glare. Yeah, but I think my, Microset and Microsol are kind of gilding the lily a bit. But, you know, God, if I look at all the ridiculous things, I've got my sprue clipping tool. I've got the spatulas idea that I got off you. There's just, it's another thing to get, isn't it? To make yeah, it no, so, and something, if it if it's all, if it takes away that slight glare, that's that's yeah. actually well, well worthwhile, to be honest. It's not just yeah, yeah. Um, messing the, around. I, th messing I still outside. think the varnish sandwich is more important. Um, Why? Than, what because, does it do? Because the gloss, because there's some um, physics or something about it that gloss varnish has a very flat surface, yeah. whereas which is why it reflects the light. Whereas matte varnish has a slightly microscopically irregular surface, yeah. which is why it's matte. So putting a transfer onto a gloss varnish surface gets less bubbly bits, but you know, it's slightly better. And then giving it another coat, you're completely sealing it in. And then you matte coat over the top of it. Um, so I've always found two coats of gloss with the water slide in between does a really that takes the the edge of the transfer away an awful lot. 
Okay, because I've got I've got a tube of, sort of like paint on gloss varnish, so yeah. I might give that because I've got because I sort of tend to use it for glass or shiny stuff that I yeah. want to do. Are you, are you um, tempted? Am I? I'm, I'm. You know. I'm. Are you saying the two layers of varnish is a win as well, or do you um do you have like a, another piece of machinery or something? No, I the sandwich is sandwich. Gloss varnish transfer, transfer. baby sham baby sham Ma- yeah matte varnish. Yeah. Yeah, slimline salad dressing. Yeah, it's all there. Tweeters is it? Or or gloss and Ven, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have fa- I found my bonkers listening to this. You know, what's that one? <laughs> Screaming at their computers, going, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah. <laughs> micro set goes before micro soul. <laughs> it's going to be, be worse honest, than when I'm on mute, that's all that I'm doing, to be perfectly yeah, honest. True. Yeah. Lose or we're going to gain more with people going, what are they talking about? Yeah. The, um, oh, the Microsoft had... Microsoft first is going to be bigger than the Brexit debate, I'm sure. It's going, yeah, to, be, exactly. it's going to split the wargaming community down the middle. I also had something quite sweet happen because um, my wife was doing the big shop today. Um, and she said, is there anything I need? And I said, oh, could you get us a couple of bottles of beer? Um because I'm doing sort of my toy soldier podcast this evening. And it's this to be frank guys are only bearable to talk with if I had a couple of beers. And uh because she was buying it, she said, because I was doing sort of like the sort of like my really sad toy soldier stuff, she was trying to decide whether to get a hobgoblin or spitfire. Oh, which no. is quite nice. Because she wanted to match it. So I, she got me two bottles of hobgoblin because she thought that was um slightly more sado than yeah. uh, the spitfire. <laughs> Yeah, she didn't actually the... say sad though, but I kind of saw it in her eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that look from Francesca before, definitely. Yeah. It's normally when um I walk in the door. And um yeah, that's it. Um so that's good. We, so have we done then? Have we um have we gone around the whole set of world of painting? That's the full bit. Fantastic. Well, look, painting's done. Um, the huge Microsoft Microset debate has been kicked off. Um, maybe we'll come back to that, make it a weekly feature or something. But but let's go into the the dice rolling, the virtual dice rolling side of it. And um, as seems to be traditional, the, the because I know it's my best chance of finding someone who's actually played a game. Andy, your um your weekly um Romano slugfest against the man in America, or or have you been beaten by Richard Case this week as well? Uh, no, I took up. a week off from that. Um, my 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 um, record at ADLG at the moment is probably even worse than Frank Lampard's at football. Uh, the, only, the only good news I have is I haven't got a vote of confidence from the wife about um, the way I've been playing. But uh, yeah. it's it's been you know lose 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 for the last few weeks. And uh, have you just yeah. picked the wrong strategist? Have you just um, drawn the duff set of cards? Or uh, I don't know what it is. I mean, well. Um, let's just say, if if Clive had been, God rest his soul, was having a bad day with the dice last Wednesday, he'd have outdiced me. It was what? just, I, was, <laughs> I, I had two units of light artillery. They scored one hit the entire game. Hmm. Light artillery that makes that, that makes it a bit difficult. But um, no, my opponent played well, and uh, I, I didn't get any breaks. And you know, th- those two things together spelt the end of my army. 
Yeah, that's not normally a good thing. What was the actual matchup in, in your? Um, well, the, we were doing um, Romans against Sertorius in Spain. So Dave had the Sertorians, which was uh, some Roman legionaries and a shed load of uh, medium sword impact, of which half of them were elite, and a few other bits and bobs. And I had some Roman legionaries and some uh, auxilia and stuff like that. But uh, I mean, I thought it was going well at the beginning because the, the terrain fell largely open, which which worked for me. But as I say, got out dice, got out maneuvered, and it all got. So you you got run over by fast warband in the open with your something legions. like that. Yes, yeah. Oh, painful, painful, painful. And um, any other games um, from anyone this week? Yeah. Um, Saunders and I, we managed to get a game of um, just ADLG on TTS or Tabletop Simulator. So um, since Dave has just finished his uh, painting his in real life, his medieval or feudal Spanish army, we thought we'd give that a try virtually. And um, I'm very proud to admit that I came second. So uh, it was all fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. So we went... Um, Dave had um, feudal Spanish and I went feudal English just for some you know, sheer level of dross and mediocrity. How many uh, knights did you have? Uh, I only had nine knights. So only nine. Six. Only nine. I only had six knights. Yeah, so we there was a, quite a bit of badgering running around um, mm. as knights and um, things like that. The, the my knights showed up and killed your knights in sleep. Even when they were over that. Yeah. I, I killed your general, your knight's general in the middle of a, with a, yeah, I think I, I think I got pretty lucky with the dice. Yeah. It was it was definitely one of those games where the um, the dice did swing from positive and negative for both sides. And a, a couple of times it swing, swung more positively for Dave in critical points. So my knights charged in or he charged me. I lost most of the combat. He killed the general. Seven knights disappear shortly oh, after. Oh wow! Oh dear. So, well, that's a big hole. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, Dave, did did you use that um, ring of uh, spearmen to get in front of the knights, and and, and the Almugavars running around behind the line in order to get to Simon's mediocre spearmen, which uh, I managed to achieve, but it was a close run thing because my uh, Almugavars did not want to be facing his knights. So did you um, use that feudal Spanish army that I cobbled together and um, thrown up there? No, 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 no. This is this is this is my um, favourite army. This is my. Uh, all... No, no, I don't. I don't mean the list. I meant the um, the figures. I think I I made a TTS feudal yeah, Spanish yeah, yeah. army. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've used oh, them. good. Excellent. No, I, I actually went on. I didn't actually do a game, but I've got a game arranged with Richard for later this week. And um, good luck with that one. Yeah, good luck with that one. I'm being very bold and trying to use Umayyad's Arab, which uh, I think two years ago I would have been quite competent at. Um, but, um, it's just a bit of a blessing the past. It probably needs some work. But but I cobbled a, a list together and got some Tibetans into it, get some cataphracts. And I managed, I think, Simon, I, I was saying to you that I found on Tabletop Simulator there's a huge bag of... Um, odds and sods of characters from D&D type games that, that I do still need to send you the link for all the Renaissance ones. But um, but so for the Tibetan ally um, to my Umayyad Arab army that I'm putting together, it's got four or five cataphracts and a unit of bowmen. And I managed to get some some animated figures into it. So they're, um, 
they're kind of sort of like maiden guard bowmen and and they're moving around a bit which is slightly disconcerting and um i've also added a um a guy to the the baggage who's um digging um digging a hole so so the baggage has got like a bloke swinging an axe to dig a big hole kind of just keeps hacking away at it so digging out some of these animated figures is um is kind of interesting it sounds like like some of the old age of empires game ones i bet they are they'll, they'll be they'll be stolen from from some gaming system or something like that so, so it's on tts what's that i can't i've never found a heavy chariot on tts I think there's some in the Indian army. They're, you know, they're clearly Indian, but um. So, um, Tim, with this character uh, digging, yeah, uh, yeah, reckon that would suit that Osprey book of the Kokoda Trail from 1939 to 1945. That could be it. We could, we could be doing this. This could be the new thing on TTS. We could be doing, um, you know, airport construction activity in in the the Bermudian jungle or whatever it was. Um. No, where was it? What? what, what New, Guinea. New Guinea. New Guinea. New Guinea jungle. Yeah, above twenty thousand feet or something like that. Yeah, that could that could be the one. Um, so that that's a possibility. But but other than that, it's been kind of thin on the the gaming front. Um, maybe maybe this week there's a bit more to be a bit more to be pushed and done on that side. There'll be plenty of learnings against Richard Case, mate. I can tell you. Yeah, I suspect so. I suspect so. Yeah. No, well, well, now we've got him up and running. Um, I did also actually, I think, take show um, Dave Allen how to do this to use TTS as well. So that's going to be, so be some, um, yeah. Eat. Dave Allen at large. We've got enough yes. mediocre pike for no. <laughs> camels, yeah. isn't it? Mediocre camels, isn't it? Mediocre camels. So I have to build the, um, the the Persian war wagon as well. Um, find some. Ah, to I bet that. that was colourful explaining uh, it to Dave Allen. It it, it was um. It was fine, you know. The, for an old guy, um, he, he does all right. He's not too bad. But look, in, in terms of um, going back to the past, I think let's go back to um, to last week, and it's now time for Andy's quiz. Andy, um, I can see that in your um, in your kitchen digital studio, you've got the iPad out, which must mean that there's some questions that you're you're flicking through to um, to uncover. Um, I don't know whether the kitchen environment means that we're going to get a culinary quiz this week, or um, or, or or maybe not. But look, yeah, far as well, have to wait and find out. Won't you? Just don't wait and find out. But look, we, let's start with last week. What what were we up to last week? What was the what? the theme? He's just cooking the books. Oh. No, I do that do that during office hours. I've enough of that. And um, right, last week's quiz was about changing sides. And the first one was: In which civil war battle in the year sixteen hundred did twenty percent of one army change sides, leading to a decisive defeat for their former allies? Sekigahara. That's right. Interesting. I that's one where Iyashu. Negotiated with several of the opposing side daimyos to defect across, and one of them just decided to sort of sit there until he they were inspired to to take action by Iyashu ordering some of his arquebusiers to shoot at them. Sounds a bit like that Battle of after Talos we got that we shot did, Do you remember that game we played at Gordon's house once, the Battle of Talos, where uh, 
we weren't sure which side the car looks were going to come in on. Yeah. Hit us with, um, hit us with the next answer then, far away. Right, next one. At the first major battle of the English Civil War, Edge Hill, in 1642, the parliamentary left-wing cavalry was defeated when one troop of their cavalry changed sides during a royalist attack. What was the name of that troop's commander? General Turncoat, is that where it comes from? No, his name was Sir Faithful Fortescue. Uh, yeah, I... I no, he wasn't very, was he? No. <laughs> I just that just tickles me the name of this guy, yeah. Sir Faithful Fortescue, and he changed sides in the middle of a battle. Okay. Right. Now the third one at the Battle of Leipzig in 1813, an entire contingent of Napoleon's <laughs> army changed sides and went over to the enemy. What nationality was that contingent? And Germany wasn't Saxony. a state at the time, so the answer is not German. Saxony. Yeah, Saxons. And it was it wasn't all of the Saxons, was it? Might be not the guard to corps, might not the guys with the imperial guard, but the sort of Saxon corps of the army headed off towards the Austrians and they were cheered by the French who thought they were attacking and the Austrians knew about it and let them in. Oh, <laughs> so it's just a little horrendous surprise then. Okay. Yeah, Napoleon used that as an excuse as to why he lost the battle. It does uh, sound like a reasonable excuse, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a good excuse. I, uh, I, I, I'd, I'd five or six thousand Saxons from from his army defecting was what lost him the battle. Yeah, yeah. After an army of about you know two hundred fifty thousand, you know five thousand, you know go native. Well, you know of course that's going to change the whole course of history, isn't it? Yeah, no, we can we can let him off on that one. Um, that, that's last week's turncoats and um what's what's this week's story andy what what's the theme today right well the, the only thing i could think of uh, so far is it was one says he said what and basically it's a this is quotes by famous people which i've left blanks and you have to fill in the blanks um i think he said what sounds very uh, he said what sounds like a very good thing for this podcast really <laughs> yeah well that's what i thought anyway uh, number one was a quote by Frederick the Great, and it's a crown is just a hat which blank 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 blank. Uh, right. Okay. Right. Number two, and this was a quote by Napoleon: "A boy can blank 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 as well as a man." And keep it clean, please. No, that's that's all of us out then. Um, uh, okay. Number three, and this was General Moltke the Elder. If you look at any military situation, you will see that the enemy has three options. Of these, he will always choose the blank. Yep, okay. All right, that's um that's an interesting set of questions for this week's Andy's quiz. So look, with Andy's quiz receding into the background, the other thing that's um, been been astonishing this week is that the the, the UK has been covered with um, almost centimetres of snow for several hours, which is just um, normally this would be the the news story of um, of the year, really, wouldn't it? You know, the world would stop, there'd be all the trains would be stopped, nobody would be able to go to work. But but given nobody is at work and it's not stopped anybody from from walking downstairs to the the kitchen table and undoing a laptop it seems to have um 
have passed us by really um with with surprisingly little drama unless that's just all all being southern um and there's people up north who are still laboring under it if which case um we're sorry um for not not even being aware um of of the existence of that um that's not helping is it really yeah, but, it just shows that there's actually more news than there is, i think yeah and, and that's exactly what we all need more news but um but i, well, think I was speaking to a solicitor up in newcastle and she said it was about three degrees and i said is that what you call a heat wave yeah <laughs> yeah they'll be um they'll be they'll be possibly considering rolling down the um the sleeves on their t-shirts so you won't have that sort of temperature <laughs> um so but but from that thing it was just we were all kind of chewing over weather well chewing over weather really um and the whole concept of weather because it seems to be from the the systems that that we're playing you know particularly adlg um the in ancients weather in the past was part of that very um, almost kind of literal we want to recreate everything um in our set of rules sort of philosophy and then it just seems to have kind of dropped out you know it, it sort of disappeared in fog it's not it's not there in in adlg um either and it was just that that kind of we've been affected by weather or not affected by weather this week um and we play rules where weather used to be a thing but but now it isn't um and is that is that just part of the evolution of of war games rules to to focus on better stuff or well i i think basically you could do more thematic stuff where the weather takes into account and such like but in the main you got you know a lot of the fighting was done in certain seasons anyway so you know until you get to like world war 2 and some extremes uh depending on where you're fighting you know going up uh, you know against the nepalese and such but um it's well, not the, Borneo jungles, really. the same yeah. something. Yeah. You know, yeah. Borneo jungles, you know, fighting 10 feet distance. Yeah. So in, you know, when we're doing a more generic thing um, across the piece, but you know, you can have fun. I've played in several competitions where um, when we're doing flames of war, where you'd have thermetic pieces and the weather taking effect or day, night, et cetera, et cetera. But that was more certain themes as opposed to a more generic weather. Does that just actually spoil the game, really? Um, you know, it makes it more interesting. It's, I think it, it's a question: it, Do you want to model some particular effect? Because if not, is it just a load of faff for no particular benefit? I think it's a case of before when sets of rules that cover warfare when people are fighting all year round. You kind of need weather rules because World War Two on the Russian front, they were fighting in winter as well as summer. Mm -hmm. So you could say this is a World War set of rules. But only for the spring and summer. But if you're going to do a World War II set of rules, you kind of need to know what's going on with snow. Ancient yeah. set of rules, I don't think, because most battles, they just didn't bother if it was raining, to be perfectly honest. Mm. And when you say it used to be a thing and it's not anymore, I think it's even more precise than that. I think it's a Barker set of rules. Mm. He loves them. Um, and if it's not a Barker set of rules, you don't see them. But I've got a set. Because sometimes they can be really annoying, but sometimes they've given me the funniest games I've ever had in a competition. It's like yeah. playing DBM, and it's like through a stupid series of decisions and dice throws, it's like we ended up having a battle in a in snow, yeah. and me and my opponent both looked at the rules, going, "What a bloody hell! Jeez, yeah. bloody hell!" And it was just, it was, it completely changed the battle, but it completely screwed both of us over. So we both had to throw the gears. 
if mm. if there's a set of weather rules where it just messes up one army, that would be annoying. Yeah. But if it's sort of like we both went, oh, what? Oh, Jesus! Um, it made it. It made it interestingly different. Yeah. But is um, you know, can weather doesn't weather mess up both armies the same though? You know, there's, there's unlikely um, to be one well, army that depends on the rule set. Depends on the rule set. We're um... talking in rule sets or reality. Well, um, rule sets, I get, you know, because we're looking at rule yeah. sets, but then the if difference between a rule reality, set and a reality is a thing. Yeah, if, it's, if you're looking at reality, I would armies be equally affected? I mean, take the Mongol incursions into Russia. Hmm. Stupidized great raid and then yeah. the conquest later hmm. at the Batu. The Mongols hardly affected by the snow, uh, snow and yeah. ice. It was, I, that, the, know, only, is, the only time that, when they had to abandon it to a little siege was... I think it was Nov- Novgorod, mm-hmm. where sort of spring came slightly early, and uh, you had the thaw, mm-hmm. which turned all the ground around the city into into a quagmire. And Mongols just said, "Oh, sod it, we're, we're yeah. not good for us." But I, but I guess that's a siege, you know. But if you're that's a siege thing. Um, but if you're actually talking, oh, but about- I, they fought battles in the snow against against. I think with rules, especially French rules, you can have weather sets, weather rules that do mess up one side or the other. I mean, I think it was a DBM that if it was raining or something, um, it was minus one and shooting. Yeah. Where if you're hot lights, you go, don't care. If you're lacking any Persians, you go, oh, fuck. Yeah. I had games in DBM where I had like a a medieval army. So, you know, mass bow, mass crossbowmen, you get that bad weather. And it's like, well, you're in a regular army, so you're not going to move or um, turn around very easy or manoeuvre. And it, all your shooting is at minus one or minus two. And you think, hmm, so I travelled 600 kilometres to go to competition for this? Hmm, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> I was sort of glad when weather's disappeared. I think that's totally funny when you, when you model fog effect sometimes. That could be a hoop. Mm. Because especially if you're bringing a rule as an umpire that, to, the more the further you move, the more likely you are to end up somewhere you didn't expect. I think there was one saga war band, uh, the well, in the back end of the first version of the rules, it got very cheesy. Um, where <laughs> they could um, one of the horse bands, they could say that it was snowing and everything else, so therefore you couldn't shoot at them and stuff. And that got very cheesy at one point. Oh, step warriors, step horse, yeah, step tribes, step warriors. The rankings you know, also why like weather you... magic as well. But you know, in in a set like Saga, that is is fundamentally about these two forces are supposed to be even, um, and then they do their special things. What? Okay, it's got. I suppose it's got an in-game effect, but something that that has a massively disproportionate effect on one side is just sort of defeating the object, isn't it? You know, is it is it a thing about rules writers going? I'm not trying to recreate history here. I'm trying to play a game, and if I'm trying to do a game where there's pants. Or it doesn't really matter. Or I think, um, I think it depends on the game that you're playing. So if you're playing like a a, a slightly larger scale game like ADOG or DBM, Fog, Fogar, whatever it is, weather really gets in the way. Yeah. Because it doesn't really add anything to the game. If you're playing, I think for me, if you're playing a far smaller game where it's a little bit more micro level, like you know, a skirmisher game, you know, 10, 15 figures, when weather can become part of the whole experience. Like, you experience, know, yes. Like, say, uh, Black Ops, you know, you know special yeah. forces, James Bond, or the bad weather, you know, the storm, can you get in with the storm fields? 
storms, uh, you know, snowstorms and all that, can you sneak in to get the um, the secret? Is it overcast? Is it moonlit? That would make complete sense. That would really enhance the game. Yeah, I suppose maybe that's a maybe that's a generic thing about rules then, and that writers now, because there's just so many more sets of rules and and rules writers are more skilled at writing rules. Is it is it fair to say that they're taking a decision as to whether where the weather adds to the experience that they're trying to achieve with that game and it's an experiential thing rather than a an outcome thing and if i don't know maybe it's just a one of those byproducts of um of rules writers just becoming more professional i think so if you think of if you look back at some of the games we used to play say 20 years ago like you know either dbm or um modern games like you know challenger 2000 whatever some of those games were quite chunky and meaty. You had lots of tables and charts, and it was all about accuracy. And I remember when we sort of moved from those games to the more lighter mechanic ones, say um, Cold War Commander for moderns, where rather than having, you know, um, you're shooting against a tank against its front, it's got this type of armor, it's hulled down, it's yep. got this and that, and this that. Half an hour later, you go, roll dice, I've got a four, I missed. Yeah, yeah. The Cold War Commander went for more for the game of, we're here to push tanks around the table. Yeah. How can we get you to go? Bang! It exploded. And when you took away the chunkiness, you still got the game, and you had two and a yeah. half hours of your evening left to um, um, drink beer and eat a curry. Yeah. You get- I, I wonder if there's um there's people out there who do you know do homebrew weather. In fact, I wonder if anybody does like homebrew weather rules for for games that they're playing that are not scenarios. It just feels like a way to shoot yourself in the foot in some yeah. ways. Um, I've done it on aeroplane games. Because that makes it a bit more interesting. Um, we did it um, way back when we were doing World War Two ones, because uh, you want certain clouds coming over and different things like that, and just makes it a bit different. And also for naval one? games, and I suppose this is the different style of game. For naval games, you've got to have weather. Age of Sail, if you don't have wind, you're kind of missing out <laughs> on an important yeah. thing. And even for sort of like World War One, World War Two, it's called Age of Bob, then, isn't it? <laughs> age, age of age of way anchor. Yeah, that's it. Even World War One, World War Two, squalls, mists, fog banks, mm. really common, really important. Mm. And even sort of coastal games, it's a case of if the swell gets too much, your boat starts not sort of like operating as it should. So, yeah, some sets of rules you need them, um, and okay. navy ones being yeah. an obvious thing. Oh, well, one thing... Me. oh no, I've just remembered. I painted up four little ships this week as well. Um, I've already yeah. packed them away into a box. Sorry, I painted up four That's little ships for yeah, I was, I was, Watson, say, we'll I was thinking of yeah. doing those. I yeah. thought you were going to say I've painted up a thunderstorm. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that sounds like some sort of euphemism, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like, no, yeah, I've terrible, painted a fog terrible bank. Curry. Oh, no, Austrian infantry. Yeah, it's quite a curry last night. I've gone and painted up a thunderstorm. You don't want to go in there for the another DBM hour. DBM weather rules. I, I started wargaming with DBM at the very end of DBM. And I, I, it, was, it was a struggle to even play the bloody game and understand yeah. what's going on. But when you sat down at the beginning and somebody said, shall we play the weather rules? And then throw a double six or whatever, go, right, okay, we're fighting at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> no one can see anybody yeah. until they get 30 millimetres from each other. And you yeah. go, what? And then another one, somebody said, oh, right, well, yeah, we're going to play with the weather rules. And the wind is blowing, so you're on on a minus one, and we're on a plus one for bonfire. Yeah. Oh, and, and the wind has just changed. Yeah. Well, go. 
One thing I like about that is having played competition style games for mm. actually decades now, yeah. scarily enough, we're all getting yeah. old and we're going to die soon. Um, it's been a decade long journey of just finding new ways to lose. And those <laughs> weather rules have given me yeah. some exciting new ways to lose. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. No, but they, they you were... see the weather, weather rules on Dave's nights. Ah, oh, well, it's it's too hot for them in Spain. They're all slowly boiling in all their armor. Yeah, oh, that's brilliant. Lighter armor. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, there could be an advantage for that, couldn't it? Yeah. No, but like, it's just you. You look back, and you think, yeah, it, like, like the thing you're describing there, Dave. It's kind of like if someone says, "Okay, should we play this game by um, both putting our left hand in a pint of boiling water?" Um, you know, it's just like, let's start by doing that, you know, and just make it really difficult for ourselves for no apparent reason. And, um, and okay, we'll have a story to tell at the end of it, but really, are we making this a fun experience or are we trying to make it a lopsided experience based on the first dice roll? And if you've got, if you've got a game that the very first dice roll, which might be the weather, has a huge impact on whether anybody wins or loses, you know, you extrapolate that to, you kind of go, if that was just the setup rules, an attacker kind of has a big advantage. You go, these rules are broken. But with weather, we seemed to sort of live with it, didn't we, for a while? Because it was just one of those things that that they'd done. But but it just, as I say, seems to have seems to have very much gone away. A bit like um, I was playing, I found people just tried to ignore the weather rules. Yeah, I think it, it was quite <laughs> often not done, wasn't it? Without any comment. Yeah. Yeah, uh, skip I think over. weather rules have have a place if you're doing a scenario-based game. If you try, mm. yeah, 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 to recreate a particular bat I battle, and say Towton. Yeah, yeah, a good example. Sort of weather, so even that size, it's just that weather affected one side more. One it did side make a difference there yeah, because yeah. one lot could fire their arrows further, couldn't it? Because of the way the wind was blowing. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's like if I was doing a World War II set of war games rules, should have some weather rules in because they yeah. fought all year and it does make a difference. And if it's not, it's only half if it's only a fair weather set of rules, that's that's fine. But it's only yeah, I, I mean, a set the, of rules, the, and they're assuming yeah, other people will. I mean, especially the World War II when you're doing the 28 mil ones. What are the ground conditions? Can you can you track vehicles actually? Like, are they more likely to get bogged down if they go mm. off road? Things like that. Yeah, well, they're, they're an op I think they're an option in Rommel, but uh, Jeff and I never bother using them. I suppose, yeah, we'll, yeah and we'll that's fine. As long as yeah. the it's like for a complete set of rules, you need the option there because if you're going to fight, but some scenarios have a specific effect. It might say, is it, you know, is it in bolt action? Snow, so it's rough ground type of thing. Mm -hmm. Do they that's have the weather bolt action? Yeah, who knows. But I think that's a good point. If it affects how you use the rest of the terrain and it affects both armies equally, which I suppose it would do in, in naval games as well, that's fair enough. But I think maybe we're actually being slightly jaundiced about it because we've played ancient games and effect, the weather rule was always really lopsided towards one of the armies. Tim, um, whereas, I've got to say, it's starting to sound like you've had some bad experiences playing weather rules and DBM in the past. The weather oh, was, if you're playing weather, take camels. 
Yeah, you were trying to play for a dust storm, weren't you? You were trying to jimmy the game always to end up with a dust storm. Camels, always take camels because the camels ignore the bloody dust storm. Yeah. No, I've I've had some great experiences with with weather games. I think um, um, way back in the day in um, in Usk somewhere when it was actually still in Usk, um, myself and and Mick um, as was um, ended up getting the DBM rules changed because we we comprehensively beat Richard Bodley Scott's two children um, in a dust storm. I think they were um, they were using some sort of army that. It was like a very clever horsey army. Everything formed up in columns and and they started off in columns and they, and they were going to zip and concentrate on one part of our army and do a totally historical blitzkrieg type tactic. Um, and we were using rust, which just plodded forward and covered the whole table. And um, almost immediately, this terrible dust storm came down, which meant their troops couldn't move um, because they would, they'd all set out in columns and they were just in the wrong formation to move. And then, so our army just trudged across the table and this dust storm carried on and carried on. And then after we'd marched the full width of the table in full width, we came into contact with the heads of these columns. And in DBM, you used to push things back. So we go into the front of like these four columns of cavalry, push them all back and four bases would drop off the back of the table um, into these lads' laps. <laughs> and, um, and almost within days after the end of that competition, um, Bodley Scott was online announcing a change to the weather rules to make um, dust storms much, much more difficult to achieve and um, uh, much, much less effective. So, so no. his wife, no doubt. Yeah, yeah it's probably didn't want these like children kicking him, um, kicking him around the house for the stupid rules that he'd written. But, um, but yeah, no, I think they've they've kind of gone since. And it's yeah, there are some periods where weather is important, and I can see sort of in Second World War. It will affect you know whether you're going on or off road and, and things like that, that that affects both sides but but those lopsided ones of if you've got a load, load of bowmen i want to try and play weather rules so that it's raining and then it will affect you and not me was just not not fun at all um and you know the, the rules mechanism was so simplistic anyway that whether it was a real yeah, and it's the kind of thing we could have all made up as a mechanism when we were eight, I guess. They, they, they never felt there was a huge amount of thought put into them. Every go as well. The, wind, the direction of the wind used to change. It used to swing around and all sorts of nonsense, uh, didn't it? I'm oh, a bit worried after that story that I'm a bad parent. Because my yeah. reaction to that would be, stop crying, it's character building. Yeah. Well, that's what we told them as well for about the last two hours of the game. But, um, but it just didn't seem to get through. I think they were still quite young at the time. Um, but... But yeah, no, it was wow. it was very notable, very very notable. But but look, you know, it's it looks dark outside, so we um we're obviously no longer capable of checking the weather. But I think we've um we've given that one a good um a good running over with the Michael Fish stick, so to speak. And um and I think on that note, we're probably gearing towards the end of this week's episode. So um, this means war. Um, got any last minute thoughts about what they're planning for next week or, or any other things like me and the ships that you've forgotten about I'll, I'll come back to those next week hopefully if I remember well I just want to, want to say uh, that going back to an earlier discussion Tim was right I was wrong well, on, on Microset and Microsoft, Microsoft. yeah okay so, so when do you use the so you use Microset on top of the first layer of gloss varnish yeah. to make the 
transfer stick a bit better. Yeah. And then if you're putting the um, transfer onto a slightly irregular surface, which if you Google it, what you always end up is the sheet. If it's a if it's sort of a regular bumpy surface, use microset, apply for decal, then microsol dried off, apply microsol. And and that's always about putting um some sort of transfers on the shoulders of space marines, which is like a curvy thing. Um, mm -hmm. Apparently, that's what it always seems to come up with whenever I look at it on um yeah. online. Yeah, would it equally apply if you've got if you've got shields which are domed? True. Yeah, dome okay. shields as well. Yeah. Well, I, th I think um, you know, on on that note, um, you know, and that I appear to know something better about technical stuff to do with painting and model making and Tanzan. That probably brings the entire podcast to an end, doesn't it? There is no more. We maybe we should just stop here. I, I should stop while I'm winning. All you need to do is start quoting Napoleonic stuff, and and then we're done. Actually, no, that's not going to happen. I think we've probably still got some more weeks, but um, but I think as as I said um last week, just before we um we wrap up, you can. Give us positive ratings on iTunes. I, apparently, you can't do that on Spotify um, for some reason. Spotify doesn't let you do that. But but if you Google the Mad Axman podcast iTunes, you'll get to a page and you can you can give us stars um, as well to to send our ratings sky high. With Spotify, is it only us that they don't, they don't let give positive positive ratings? <laughs> well, I've, I've somebody else was saying um, you can't give. Someone's ratings. listened to it. Spotify. Actually, no. I'm I'm making that up. I was saying. I'm assuming someone wanted to give positive ratings, but someone was on Facebook saying you can't give ratings on Spotify. Maybe, um, maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> Depends what kind of ratings they were going to give. Um, but yeah, iTunes, you can search for it and um, any other podcast service, voters up if yeah. you wish, uh, which is um, kind of can I, can I Can I come up with a suggestion that I, I, I put in, in our um, WhatsApp thing today, which is yeah. maybe people would email and, and, you know, keeping it clean, tell hmm. us, What's the most esoteric thing they've been doing while listening to the podcast? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. If we've got any other things, um, and um, and equally, if you've got any um, any better topics than than weather, um, whether in war games rules, you'd like to hear us witter on <laughs> what about would you like as well. To, what would you like to hear us witter on about next? What week? would you like yeah. to hear us witter on about next week? We're we're happy to take requests. Um, we may ignore them, <laughs> but we are happy to take them. So um, we'll talk so bollocks the, about anything. Yeah, we'll talk a load of old nonsense about anything. So, um, uh, at any request. So, look, on that note, it's. You time want it, we'll to, play it. Yeah, you want it, son, we'll play it. Um, so, on that note, it's probably time to wrap up. So, goodbye from me and goodbye from everyone else. Goodbye. 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 Stay safe out there in the snow. get to um my next one podcast on apple live podcasts and um we've got ratings we've got five five star ratings on itunes so wow. ooh, yeah, but there is seven of us i know so who the fuck <laughs> is not doing it so, <laughs> who's not yeah. gone in and done the thing who's not gone in and done sorry folks <laughs> yeah, i haven't gone it. on to itunes there we and go we, then that's identified we, that's the problem sorted <laughs>